Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Um, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. No, I appreciate the invite. But I've wanted to have you on for a while because when, before I joined Height, um, I was seeing JC doing all these ice baths. I saw other people doing ice baths and I'm like, mm -hmm. what the heck is everyone doing over there? Coming from yeah. the company we all worked with before, I thought it was a little bit of like drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, some woohoo sort of like, I don't know. I, I was hesitant to say the least. You were skeptical. You were a skeptic. Definitely. Yeah. And being someone, I tend to be skeptical. I tend to be, I'm somewhere between very optimistic in some instances and very pessimistic in other instances. And then I kind of go back and forth. It's never in the middle. It's one of the two extremes generally. Yeah. And this was one of the ones I was like, very almost like, oh, I don't know about this. But when we did the unbreakable session, we went out, like when we actually did it, there was something in that moment where it all just clicked. Yeah. And it made I sense. Like everything has changed since then almost. Well, and I feel I did my job right. <laughs> um, so because... that's why I was, like, I was wanting to have you on for a while, but I kind of wanted to like figure out how, I don't know. I wasn't, I just didn't want to have you on as the first guest. I kind of wanted to like, establish this a little bit and then figure it out but can you explain a little bit how you got into doing this like leadership coaching the unbreakable explain a little bit yeah. of your journey not too much time but yeah because I'm curious so, about that too. But I, I, I do want to say that I myself I'm a skeptic okay I, I always tell people if I wasn't a coach I'd probably be the one carrying the flag saying you know this is a whole bunch of woo-woo stuff <laughs> Like that's who, that's how I, that's my, you know, it's, it's how I am. And I always describe myself as Thomas, the disciple. So Thomas is known for doubt. Thomas is known for when he was told that Jesus had risen. Um, he was like, I don't believe that until I don't stick my finger in his wrists and in his, you know, on the side of his ribs. I'm not going to believe that this is true. Yeah. So in other words, he wanted evidence. He wanted to to experience it, to be able to see it, to be able to believe it. And and I'm okay with that, but that's that's how I describe myself. In the world of coaching, in the world of leadership development, personal development, I am Thomas. I like to make sure things have evidence that there's no BS behind it. And that's a big part of my brand also is yeah. no BS. Um and and my life has been a, my own laboratory to try things out. Like I try them out on myself before I even uh, expose my clients to it. So I'm open to exposing myself to a whole bunch of stuff and then saying, oh, this actually makes sense. This works. The, the other thing I want to say in, in what you just said is, you know, when you came to Unbreakable and you experienced it, you're like, okay, now I, 
make sense, started making sense to me. And I think that's, for me, that's a big, um, one of the big, like main goals in my work is that people say, I get it. I get it now. Before I didn't get it, before I didn't understand it, before I didn't know what this was about, but now I get it. And I, you yeah. know, I can, I can know how to, and, and I, I'm going to know how to implement this, this practice, this tool, this instrument. I get it now. Um, and that's kind of what I want to, what I want to get, what I, what I want to achieve with my clients is that they get it. Um, yeah. It's just interesting. Cause I like, I don't know if I ever told you, but I've done like ayahuasca and some of that other stuff when I was living in, in the Amazon of Peru, mm -hmm. like with an actual community. So like, I've been kind of down that lane, but it's weird how it was like ice baths and that, nah, like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. So so you asked me how I yeah. how I got how I got into this. Um, which I can't tell the story of how I got into my work without sharing that it, it started with uh, me wanting to sober up. When I was 21, I decided, okay, I need to sober up. I was doing different recreational drugs and 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 smoking weed and just and. And, and I was never a party person. I was never about socializing and partying, going out and having like having the party scene. I was more like, let's go to the mountain. Let's go to the let's go to the ocean and let's go let's go deep. It's like sort of like the ayahuasca experience. It's like we yeah. were trying to I was trying to replicate that for myself, you know, unknowingly. I was reading books like The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley, which is around his experience with LSD. And finding truth and finding meaning. I was always a philosopher, but you can only go down that lane so like so far until people are like, okay, they're sort of like he's kind of disconnecting from reality here. Yeah, and I kind of sensed it for myself. I'm kind of like I can't be talking about truth and spirituality and this and be in be um, consuming and 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 you know yeah, yeah. I. I've gotten from this what I needed and sobriety seemed like the next best step. It just came up in my life. Like I need to sober up. Um, so an uncle of mine owned the leadership center. Um, he was sober. He was part of a 12 step program. So I reached out to him about sobriety. And once I started on that path of sobriety through a 12 step program, I went back around. I would come back to him. He was my sponsor or my, like, you know, mi padrino as they say in spanish um on that path my mentor and i asked him for a job also he's like hey can i go work at the center can i go work at the leadership center he's like yeah and i and i loved his approach because his approach was well you come and you do you so it was never about oh you come and you're going to fulfill this role this is the job that you're going to do this is your job description this is what i expect his idea of hiring somebody was like you want to come come do you? And let's see what happens. Like, just let's see what happens. And so I started going to a leadership center. Did you want to ask something? But what, but why the leadership center? Cause I know, do you, do you have like a lot of experience doing leadership growing, not doing leadership, but I remember you talked about like soccer or football and like, that's not really your sport. So it's like when I feel a lot of the gateway drug per se for leadership is like team sports. Yeah. But Not I don't know if you're down, if you went down that lane, cause you're into surfing and doing more like individual things. I was definitely into surfing and, and yeah. I was surfing and I was, you know, 
being a hippie and bohemian and going to surf and the whole surf scene and looking like a surfer with long hair and 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 I started my first work my first uh like entrepreneurship like it was um surfing adventure tours and before I sobered up I started doing surfing adventure tours and but it was born out of the need to just surf so like all I wanted to do was surf and my mom or my dad, they weren't going to pay for my surfing. And so I had to figure out a way to sustain my own, uh, my own surfing practice, so to say. Yeah. So I came up with surfing adventure tours. So I started bringing people from the U S and, and it went pretty good. I mean, I, I did pretty well to the point where I realized that I could do whatever I wanted and it was going to work. Like if I just followed my gut feeling and my intuition, um, but sobriety really honed it in for me. Like, like I chose at one point, I don't want to keep on being a surfing adventure tour guide. I want to keep on surfing, but it's not how I want to make my living. The leadership center opened up a whole new world about transformation and helping people transform and finding truth and their purpose and meaning and making the best out of life. That that captured my attention more. But I went to work for the leadership center just because I was turning my life around and yeah. my uncle my uncle owned the center. And so I just naturally asked him for a job. Hey, Theo, can you give me a job also? Like, you're helping me with sobriety. Can you also hire me and give me a job? And he's like, you come, do you? And when I went and I saw what they were doing, I started listening. I started paying attention. I started seeing the different experiences that people were having. And I was like, there's something going on here. I started changing things in my life and getting better results and feeling better and waking up to possibilities. And then the question came where, how can I help others? How can I replicate this? How can I help others go through this? In the center, I was taught that transformation is the process by which we become the person we were originally designed to be. So it's, I was taught that it was different from change. You can change. You can change how you dress. You can change how you look. You can change where you live. You can change from uh, being an employee to being an entrepreneur. But that doesn't mean you're getting closer to who you really are. You can even be changing and getting further away from who you really are. So I can continue changing and just become less of who I actually am. But transformation is the process by which I actually discover my original design, what I was meant to be, and start going down that path. And I loved that. I, I, I was When I heard that, I was like, wow, like that's amazing. How do I do that? And how do I help other people do that? Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And then coaching came up as a, as an answer, as a methodology. Yeah. No, I lo love that. Cause you also have the quote, which I've written down. If you want to help others facilitate their lives first, learn what it means to facilitate your own. That's yeah. exactly what you did. You learned how to facilitate your own life. Well, I'm now, still learning. Well, I mean, we all are, <laughs> but you know, compared yeah. to most people at 21, they kind of, I think, have to live a little bit longer before they figure out, hey, I need to go down this path. Yeah. So so the way that happened is one day I was sitting down watching my uncle do his work, do his thing in front of a group, sitting in the back and suddenly dawned on me. That's what I want to do. That That's it. That's it right there, what he's doing. And I went to him afterwards and I told him, hey, Theo, uncle, uh, I want to do what you do. I want to facilitate. And that's when he told me that quote, if you want to facilitate other people's lives, learn to facilitate your own. And that's sort of like when the student's ready, the master shows up, like, like the moment that I was ready to learn, 
And, and I remember right there, he also told me, okay, I'll teach you. Like he was going to start teaching me then when I asked for, when I asked for it, he's like, okay. He, he told me, write down everything, write down everything. And he gave me a journal and I'm like, what do I write down? He's like, just write down everything. Today I have 20 years of journals from that day that he told me to start writing everything down to today. I have, I, I'm always carrying a moleskin or some sort of journal. And I have all these journals, like from that day, I have all of them. How do you so set it's a, time aside for it? Like, do you have time in the morning when you're like, okay, time to write my journal for 15? No, no, no. So, you know, a lot of people ask me that kind of question. Like, when do you do your practices? When do you do your work? When do you go to the gym? When do you do that? And I struggled with discipline. I struggled with structure. So uh, through my process, I learned, okay, I have to wake up at five if I want to work out. And then that didn't work. I failed. So screw it. I'm not working out. Like, I can't do this. So, okay, I don't have to work up, wake up at five, but I can work out. So I started like taking things apart and saying, okay, wait yeah. a minute. So what I came, what it came down to is a philosophy that I live by, a principle that is, I practice when it's convenient. And when it's convenient, I practice. So what does that mean? It means that if it's convenient now to sit and meditate, I'll sit and meditate. If it's convenient now to sit and breathe, I'll sit and breathe. Same thing for writing, for reading, for whatever I do. I just do it when it's, it's and I'm always doing something. I'm always doing some sort of practice, but it's not organized. So today I know I'm going to go to the gym. I just don't know what time yet, but I will go. So there's no, there's no set structured time to do all these things, but I do all these things. Do you ever go back and reread them? I go back and I reread. Yeah. And Is there I, and it's specific funny. times when you reread them? Like, are they, no? No, I, I will just suddenly be cleaning stuff out and pick one out and say, oh, wow, let me see this. And I'll look through it and I'll see something like, wow, in 2011, because we're talking about 20 years. It started yeah, yeah. in 2022. <laughs> so in 2007, I was still struggling with this and I'm still struggling with it now. It's like, wow, this is a part of me that, that I'm always struggling with, like habits, beliefs on a different level. I'm still struggling with it. And, and it's real. It's, it's, it's insightful to see that it's insightful to see where I've been and where I've come up to and where I am now. Well, sometimes uh, it's, I, it's, when I was in Nicaragua, I wrote for about three years and then there were certain points where I could just realize there were certain themes or yeah. do you know who Dak Shepard is? I think I might have mentioned him to you. He has a podcast I've named heard of him. Expert. Mm -hmm. So he's sober as well. I think for like probably the same amount of time as you. And he's been journaling ever since he went through it. Yeah. So when he is going into start a new movie or a new project, whatever, he has all these thoughts of doubt and whatever come into his brain. So he'll yeah. go back to when he started his last project read what he was feeling that day, realize, hey, it's the same thing. Yeah. I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm feeling the exact same thing. And I've done all of these projects. And the one theme and problem, I mean, the one thing in common is every time I start a new project, I have imposter syndrome. I feel this. I feel that. And then you can it's identify it and then break it apart. Yeah, it's a pattern. You learn to see it for what it is. It's a pattern. It's not the end of the world. It's not that there's something wrong with me. This is what I have to work with. This yeah. is how I show up in these moments. This is how I show up uh, at the end of the year. This is how I show up constantly. And, and 
and you got to bring a lot of uh, self-compassion to it. Like whenever you're going to do self-work and be in a developmental process, it has to be done with self-compassion because we will like run into so many shortcomings and habits that are hard to break and patterns that my, my, my mentor used to say, old habits die hard or don't die at all. So some of them you got to come to an acceptance of, okay, this might be a part of me and I have to learn to accept it and love it and be with it. And, and it, the, the, the counterintuitive approach there is that by doing that, sometimes it lessens the grip of them. Mm-hmm. When you when you stop struggling with them, they actually loosen their grip, and you can overcome them because you've accepted them. It's pretty interesting, pretty fascinating to see. And what do you do when you have on the coaching side when someone comes to you and mm-hmm. they're ready to be taught? So they're kind of like they're ready, but they're not showing that self compassion for themselves, and they yeah. may not see it for them. Like, how do you help cast that like viewpoint or help them realize that? Yeah. It, it, sometimes I'll just be direct. Like as you're doing so, if I invite somebody to start a self-observation, like, you know, we're going to start a self-observation practice and here's a warning. You might start seeing things that, that you're going to start seeing things about yourself that maybe are hard to face. So we're also going to just start also working with self-compassion like trying not to judge this. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually, I came into my office and wanted to it's like, there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm just weird and awkward and, and I do this and, but you know, I'm just a weird one. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, how about we take those out of the light? Like, let's just, that's not yeah. serving anything right now. So just directly say, how, how about if we take the weird, awkward, I try to normalize. Like part of my, in my work, there, there's normalizing is what everybody thinks that what they're going through is not normal and that it's special and unique and nobody else is going through it. And this kind of makes you fall into a self-isolation where you think, yeah, this is only me. Like I'm (laughs) different than everybody else. Yeah. But then I'm like, that's normal. It's like so many people go through that. So the more normal they, they feel, the easier it is that they can work with whatever it is they're working with. So we want to loosen or, or diminish that anxiety around there's something wrong with me. There's some there in my world, from my perspective, there can absolutely be nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's things that, that you are and behaviors that you have, but there truly is nothing wrong with you to a certain extent. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. To a certain extent. The average person. If there is, then we bring in other professionals, but for the, but but usually it's there really is nothing wrong with you. No. Um, in 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 the depth of it, when we are you know we're going to talk about presence, I assume. Yeah. Um, there is actually nothing wrong with us. We are actually whole and complete. Um, and all these other things are behaviors, beliefs, layers that have been taught or imposed, and and we can we can work through them. And that's where where I was going to bring it is that's where I feel like the real transformation can happen. Cause once you allow that self-compassion that to take effect, then everything else can kind of follow in line. It can grab, grab onto the values, which works yeah, perfectly with your motto too. 
committed to being a source of present strength and transformation for entrepreneurs. But yeah. Yeah. you talked about that presence part. So like, what, what does that mean? Like in the context of entrepreneurship, what do you mean by presence? Like, how does that fit into yeah. the whole picture? Yeah, yeah. So when I was in the leadership center and I told my uncle I wanted to study coaching. So after I told him I wanted to be a facilitator and that happened, I actually told him, you know, I want to, we did a, we did a course on coaching. And when I read what a coach was, you know, somebody that puts themselves in the service of others to maximize their potential, accelerate their development. I was like, that's it. That's what I am. That's what I want to do. Went back to my mentor and asked him, so how do, how do I become a coach? Like, what is this? He's like, yeah, it's a career. You can get paid for this. I'm like, what? How do I do this? You got to train. You got to learn. You got to develop. I'm like, I can't do this tomorrow. He's like, no, you can't do it tomorrow. You got to go through a rigorous development process to become a good coach. So I was like, where do I start? He's like, I have a friend in North Carolina who wrote a book. It's called The Mindful Coach. Good friend of his. He gave me the book. I started reading it. That was the first time I was introduced to mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So this guy in Asheville, North Carolina, Doug Silsby, you know, may he rest in peace. He passed away in 2018. He was a mentor of mine for 10 years. Um, he had written this book, The Mindful Coach, well, more than 10 years now. Like, yeah, it's been more than 10 years since I met Doug. But I think in 2007, I went to his place to... Um, to take this course, the mindful coach. That was his only course at that moment, but he was developing this methodology called presence-based coach. So I am a certified presence-based coach. So the basic premise in presence-based coaching is that presence is the meta competency that leaders need to navigate complexity and to be effective. That presence is the meta competency that leaders need to navigate complexity to be more effective. So but, that's the basic premise. By present, you mean just like being here in the now, like being mindful, being present? We'll talk about that. We'll make okay. a distinction, you know, different <laughs> distinctions of being present. Um, so he actually started, then he wrote a book, Presence-Based Coaching. Then he wrote another book called Presence-Based Leadership. And he made this whole curriculum and he built a robust. And I, the, the beauty of it was that I got to see it before it was being created, like in real time. I got to see the first book, the second book, the third book, the course, then the certification, and then the accreditation by the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation. Um and then I got accredited as a professional certified coach and a, and a certified presence-based coach. So it was really interesting to see that whole um, methodology emerge in that school and then have him pass away and, and, and having you know his, his whole you know, illness and dying was very revealing. He taught us all through his dying process. He kept on showing up and teaching us Oh, no, Doug Silsby, uh, I can't even begin to say the level of master that he was, of a teacher that he was. Me and my colleagues sometimes joke that he's the standard by which we measure every other teacher that we see in the world. So every, every guru, everybody, coach, mastermind, whoever, we measure him next to Doug Silsby. He was, he was an incredible man. Um, and so um, presence it became the core competency that we were developing as coaches. 
So as coaches, what we offer our client is our presence. And what we try to have our clients develop is their ability to be present also. But it really starts with the coach's presence. So what is presence? Presence, um, first, I want to start by saying that in social media, when they talk about being present in the moment, enjoy the moment now, that's, that's a twisted form of being present. Because when you say be present in the now, in the moment, enjoy it, the moment isn't always enjoyable. Like being in a nice bath. That shit ain't, ain't, ain't enjoyable. <laughs> it's terrible. So there's got to be something else to this than enjoying the moment. So I like to make two distinctions between being present and being presence. Being present is important. But being present is where I am giving my attention right now. So if you're paying attention to me, you're present with me. If I'm giving my attention to you, then I am present with you. And we're always present. What does that mean? We're always present to something. So if my wife comes in and I'm on my phone and she starts talking to me, she's going to be like, you're not paying attention. You're not present. I'm like, well, I'm completely present, but with my phone. Yeah. Like, do you, do you need me to be present with you? That's another. But, but we're always present to something. It's impossible not to be. So when we talk about leadership abilities, the leadership ability with being present is the ability to discern what am I present to right now or realize what am I present to right now, right? In this moment, in the moment, what am I present with? Number two, being able to discern, is this what's most important? Is this worth being present with or is there something different that needs my attention that needs me to be present so now i'm on my phone i realize it and then i see my wife and then i discern in my mind i need to be present with my wife so the third ability would be can i redirect can i shift my being present here to being present there and all this in real time. And I think that's the leadership ability. That's a huge leadership ability. Um, definitely part of being presence. Um, so again, being present, we're always present to something. It's what am I paying attention to? What am I engaged with? And the leadership ability there is discerning what is it? Is it most important? Is there something more important? And can I shift my attention in that direction? And then making the shift. And now I'm present with her make sense yeah that's being present like right here right now <clears throat> now being presence the short definition or the short way of explaining me is the quality that i bring to that engagement so now is how am i engaging with her how am i engaging in this in this uh podcast how, how am i engaging in this conversation in this sales call in this situation am i caught by ego am i tight am i defending myself am i uh justifying am i fighting am i fleeing am i am i in fight flight mode trying to get my way or am i open curious available um 
letting go of the ego, decoupling from my ego needs. So, so presence is the quality that we bring to each moment. So I can be playing soccer with my boy, but be completely unengaged, disconnected, frustrated, like, come on, let's get this over with. Let's just go tight in my chest and suffocated and irritated, worried, and just not there. I'm there, but I'm not, my, my quality, yeah. the, the quality isn't there. So you have any questions or anything? Let me stop right there and then keep on going. No, I think, no, it makes sense. And I love the distinction of the quality because it's easy to remember being here in the now. And I love that you're talking about more on the personal side and not the entrepreneurship side right now because that mm -hmm. I think connects with a lot of people. In movies, you always see the example of the dad with the kid just like playing catch and then you know thinking about whatever he has to do for work or whatever and it's yeah. just like i want you here not just to do it but to be yeah. here yeah. but no so it's all connecting and it's I, I like how you're going across it so yeah so being presence can go deeper so it's the quality like at the, the, the basic level it's the yeah. quality that we bring to each engagement um am i being a source of support am i connected am i attuning to the person am i attuned am i collaborating or am i creating friction so when we talk about presence as you know a definition it's the ability to be connected to myself and that's where it starts being presence is connecting to my lived experience in this moment like what's going on with me and that we can we can talk about what's going through my head what's going through my body how does it feel we can gather information from our body from our state from our nervous system go ahead one question i do have is like how do you know so like my girlfriend and i we have a pretty open source of communication where there have been days where she comes to me it's like i didn't feel connected today but in my head i thought we were yeah so like, how do you distinguish that too, where it's like making sure that both people on the same one person might think that, oh, I'm, my quality is high. And in their eyes, they're like this guy's quality is low for this day. Well, you know, when, when we approach something like that, let's say, you know, I want to, I want to get better at making sure that I'm connected to my girlfriend. It's first, okay. Is there some truth to what she's saying? So, you know, she's saying something and now it's like, instead of saying, well, no, you're wrong and justifying it and saying, no. It's like, okay, there might, is, is there some truth to it? And then exploring that in your engagements, being more aware, being more conscious of yeah. how are you actually? Um, maybe you're happy and feeling good and you attribute that to being connected. Maybe you're in a good mood and that's to you, that's being connected, yeah. but it doesn't mean being in a good mood. Maybe there's something deeper that, I don't know. You know, it would be something to, it would be a process of going back, exploring, experiencing, gathering yeah. information, being aware, being present in that moment and, and, and seeing if there's some truth to what she's saying. Yeah. So, so again, you know, it's being connected to myself. Is, is that good answer? Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's being connected to myself, what my experience is like in this moment, what's going through my body while my experience in the moment. I like asking questions like, what does it feel like to be you in this moment? What's the experience of being you in this moment? 
the more you learn to drop your attention into that, you'll notice like tightness in the body, heat in the body, shallowness in the breath, thoughts in your head. You'll start gathering information. Um, the second ability is to be able to connect to the person that you're with. Being attuned to the person that you're with. It's being able to be connected to them. So it first starts with connection with me and then connecting with the other person. Um, you know, one time I was on a hammock with my daughter and we were kind of arguing and I kind of noticed, I got noticed that I was fighting with her and I was you know, tense and I was trying to push my own. And, and, and I found out that I wasn't connected. I wasn't even connected with what was going on with me, but when I found out what was going on with me, then that was the doorway to loosening it up and now I'm connected with her. It's like, I, I might open my hands. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in front of her like like that, yeah. but <laughs> symbolically in my head or on the hammock, I might just open my hands and and say, "Okay, what's you know what's the problem here? What's the issue here?" And I'm sure so she we're, felt we're, that too, though. Like I'm sure like there was some sort of like bodily, um, yeah, language or something, and it's like, okay, he's in that moment, now. yeah, yeah. So totally in that moment, she's she she also changes her so your presence is an invitation for other people to be present also mm. so we're connected to ourselves we're connected to others we're connected to the context we sense context like what am i in right now an argument with a 15 year old yeah different generations father daughter it's sunday i'm tired i don't want to go out tonight i don't want to drive i don't want to take her i just want her to be home i'm scared I don't want to deal with her being out on the street. There's so much going on that we don't know what's really going on. I'm just fighting with her, telling her not, she's not going out. But the, the truth of what's really going on is underneath that. But when you're present, you can actually see that. You can actually sense what's really going on and start speaking into that. Like, you know what? I'm just scared that you're going to be out in the street and I'm really tired and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But so you connect to yourself, you connect to the other, and you connect to context. You're also able to be with what there is. What does that mean? Is it that if there's discomfort, if it's a difficult conversation, you're able to be in it. You're able to be in the situation. It's like the ice bath. You're able to be with the ice. You're not fleeing it. You're not fighting it. You're, you're in it. You're, doesn't mean you're comfortable, but you're, you're able to be with the discomfort. And that means, again, going back to enjoy the moment, it's not always enjoyable. You're with sadness, you're with grief, you're with anger, you're with resentment, you're with whatever there is, you're with fear, you're with it. You're not fighting it, you're not against it, you're not trying to change it, you're with it. You're fully capable of being with it without resisting it, fighting it, wanting to change it. Right? Mm -hmm. then you connect to what's truly important. I know there's a lot here and all this with practice and training, it all happens like in a, like in a, like in a swoosh, like in a, <laughs> just like you connect to yourself, you connect to the other, you connect to context, you sense into context, and then you connect again to what's truly important. Like what's truly important right now? And then you're able to 
regulate yourself and align with that. You're, you're able to align yourself with what's truly important. You're able to let go of your, your needs, your ego, your fight flight. You're able to self-regulate, let go, open up, connect to what's important, and then respond, which is like the bottom line. The bottom line of being present is being able to respond different than you usually do, than you habitually do. And you respond with intention. You respond with awareness. You, you're going to be more assertive and more on point with what's really important to you. Your commitment, that's why we talk about commitment. That's why we talk about what's important to you, your values, who you are, having clarity of that so that when you show up and you're able to do this, you're able to respond from that place. Right? Mm -hmm. So my mentor used to say, being present is just going to make you smarter. You're just going to, you know, and then, you, and then you get a little mystical here and a little more in depth that when you're present, you're going to respond to the moment, the moment that the way the moment needs you to respond. You, you're going to be, you're, there's going to be wisdom, discernment, and the action that you need to take is almost obvious. But it's not always aligned with your ego. Yeah. And that's the scary part. The scary part is I know what I got to do, but fuck it. I want to be right. <laughs> I don't want to do the right thing. I want to be right. Or yeah. I don't want them to take advantage of me. Or I don't want to lose. When, when we let go of that habitual tendency, that conditioning, that ego-driven construct, when we let go of that, we are scared to lose control. Well, we were scared I, of we go ahead no i think that works perfectly like when you go i don't know which of the steps it is when you're going through sobriety mm -hmm. in aa but there's one of them where it's like you name all the people you think that have done something bad towards you or something you have something against and you oh, identify, yeah, you've done to them is it that you've done okay and yeah. then from what i understand it's like you write down the emotions that are connected with it and then eventually you realize it's all coming out of like two or three different emotions that have created these conflicts with all these people. Yeah, yeah. So when you're able to identify that, then it's a little bit easier also to pull away from the ego, which you're yeah. talking about now. It's a self inventory. So I was just talking to a client yesterday and he was, you know, he was on vacation with some family members and something happened. <laughs> you know, one of the family members was being a little controlling and telling people what to do and wanting to control a little bit of the environment. And he felt like what's going on here and it's escalated. And, and, and before he might've gotten his luggage packed and left the scene and left the vacation. Yeah. This time he took time, you know, he's in coaching, he's getting coached through this. He, he went, it took him time to come back to that presence, to that present state. Yeah. It took him time. He said, I worked through it for like an hour. <laughs> so we're going, but there's progress. There's like, last time I would have just fought, said, screw this, I'm out, grab my stuff and left. Mm -hmm. This time I knew something was going on. I went by myself. I breathed. I took my time. It took me an hour, but in an hour I found out like, when he came back, he came back with so much clarity of what was actually going on. It's like this person's worried that we're going to damage some things that, you know, they, they're liable for, and they're the ones that are renting the space and they're on the contract. Yep. And 
and they don't want us to play. So I, I see it now. I see where she's coming from. You know, I, I see where I'm coming from. My ego is hurt. I, I was offended. I was resentful and I didn't want to be controlled. And I can see that. I can see where she's coming from. She's there's fear and there's, and I can see where we are. I can see this context and we can either rescue it or destroy it. And then he came back and had a conversation like, look, I apologize. I understand where you're coming from. I see it. So now you're talking about what's really going on. Like when we're present, when we're in the state of presence, we, we get the clarity of what's truly going on. When we're not, we got these false narratives and stories and ego and beliefs and different agendas that we can't, we're caught up in it. So it's coming back to like not being caught up in everything. Yeah. yeah. Don't get, don't get caught up and come back. And when you come back, now you'll be able to respond more effectively, more choicefully, more intelligently. And what took him before an hour with training and practice can be reduced to five minutes, can be reduced to one minute. With training and practice, it can be reduced like something that would have wasted so much time and energy. Now it can come down to just yeah. a moment. And then how does that translate over to like <clears throat> excuse me you work with entrepreneurs to become impactful leaders to yeah you're growing with them like as their business is growing you're growing with them obviously but how yeah. i think everyone can see how having clarity checking your ego being open being present can help you when you're starting a business running a business but yeah. what are some of like the other little differences that come out like because the the entire dynamic changes when you're when you start bringing employees sometimes it's like someone sometimes can be 100% right or they need to do x y and z and leadership isn't always just who is right who is wrong it's just this needs to happen you know you're yeah. leading these people so like how does that presence play into entrepreneurship especially when you're on like the scaling side of it like I think of, you know, some of the people in height who now have teams of three, four, five, and they, they just grow. Well, I think that's a, there's a lot to that question. <laughs> but, but what I will say is that when we, when we train in this methodology, when we are uh, learning as leaders to be more present and, and, and and in a state of presence. So when we do come up to a situation, if we're well-trained, I'm gonna say this is the ideal because this doesn't mm -hmm. always happen, you know, this, when we are well-trained or, or conscious and we see a situation come up, we know that the first thing is to come back. And when we come back, we'll be able to discern if that's the right answer being forceful, being direct. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be nice and accepting and tolerating. Yeah. Not saying that you're not going to be nice and offensive. That's probably not going to happen if you if you practice this, but you are going to be like, you're going to take a stand for what you believe also. And if you come down to the conclusion that this is what you believe is the right decision, then you make that decision and you stand by it. But I believe you're probably going to be able to communicate your reason better. Mm, yeah. you're not just going to say it and like <laughs> not yell at it. what I, 
not yell it or impose it without communicating it, without saying, look, I know you don't like it. Again, forget about the employee, my 15-year-old daughter. Yeah. Like, or I actively know you listening too. I could see like, once you take that step back, you have that clarity. Hey, this is what my thought is. Why are you yeah. responding this way? What are your thoughts? What do you think we could do better? And then moving yeah. from there. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, you're not, this isn't going to happen. I'm sorry. It's a no. And mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's what it, I'm sure of my answer. And that's what it's going to be. So again, I just, we lose, we waste less energy. So let's say a client yeah. comes up in a, in a session, comes to one of my sessions and he's caught up, caught up. I mean, when I say caught up, my clients get caught up. We all do. And in the session, what they want to do is solve the problem. Like, how do I solve this? Like, I'm dealing with this. What's the answer? How do I get to the answer? Like, I want you to help me solve this. And if I were to get caught up with them, I'd be like, okay, let's find some possible alternatives to solving this. Versus maybe inviting them to look inward, like, what's going like how are you experiencing this how are you yeah. showing up in this how is it affect and really once they can connect like like with what's going on like like i see that i might mimic them i might say like you i see going like that and like this and blah. like what's going on there and they'll look inward and be like oh uh once and then it'll start slowly like oh wait a minute yeah i'm really caught up in this and so the idea is to let's get present first and then let's see how you see the problem or the situation and it always changes it always changes you never see it the same like you'll see it and you'll be like you know what it's actually not even an issue <laughs> it's like you're just i mean what's required of me right now is that i just let it go maybe debrief it next time let's do it different but mm -hmm. Most of what I was feeling is not even an issue. And so in presence-based coaching, my ability to be present for my client in that state and holding presence for them is critical. That's probably like a big thing. And then inviting them to that. And then, and again, sometimes, I mean, that's the, that's the ideal. I don't know if that's the ideal, but that's a big part yeah. of it. But sometimes I am direct and I tell, like, say things how they, like, Okay, let's let's do this and what actions do you need to take? And we, we try to balance it. But it's always going to start with me as a coach being able to be with myself. What's going on with me as my clients showing up? Like what's what am I experiencing? Like sometimes I get tense. I'm like, whoa, how do I what is this person? How do I even help this person? Like, where do I go with them? Like, what do I do? And the, the quicker I can ease into what I'm going through, the more I'll be able to serve them. And then they, if they do the same thing, they'll be able to be of a better service to others also. That's the basic premise of presence-based yeah. coaching. I think it's just tough when you have all these distractions, especially if you're doing like a startup or something like that, where things are just hitting you from every side. Yeah, It's so easy to get just caught up in it. So like, what are some specific techniques or practices or something that someone can do? They're not... Obviously, first call Jose or work with him. Well, but then after well, that. Well, actually, you know, because through the conversation, if a client shows up all caught up and during the conversation, there's a shift and then they see like, oh, my God, I was caught up. What happened? Like, okay, I know exactly what to do. I can handle this. My question would be like, how did you make that shift? And one of them might say, oh, 
talking to you. I don't want them to always have to talk to me to make that shift. It's like, okay, yeah. but I want you to recognize the state you were in when you came and the state you're in now and that there was a shift. How did that shift happen? Can we replicate yeah. it? Can we expand it? Now, there are tactical tools for like doorways into being present. So our breath, like how are you breathing right now? That's a doorway to being present. What are you focused on right now? What's going on in your body right now? So bringing attention to what's, ex what's being experienced right now, I think what we can say is that being present is a doorway to being presence. Yeah. Like I got to first gather myself here, ground myself here. And we can use tactical tools like our breath, our body, our attention. And then how do I shift and regulate and open up? That might become uh, grounding and centering yourself, easing your breath, focusing your attention on something that's here and taking it away from whatever was hijacking it and, and, and grabbing it. And then re-engaging like, re the issue or the situation. So mindfulness, breath work, body awareness, these are all tools that can help us cultivate this ability. Um, bottom line, my clients learn to, like the, the real outcome is they learn to manage more complexity. Like the client might say, what used to bother me for weeks? You know, I can get over it in, a, in, a, in an hour. I can get over yeah. it in five minutes. Like it doesn't bother me anymore. Like they, they're more capable of taking more on with less suffering. The amount of bandwidth you free up with that. Yeah free up a lot of bandwidth because in, in reality when there's only one bandwidth there's only the here and the now and it's everything else is so we might do an exercise at the beginning of all our sessions where we connect to our body connect to our breath connect to our state think about context and then once we've done all that we ask a question at the end what's important now that question is a moment to moment question so after right now, what's important now is me engaging with you and being able to be present with you. As soon as I turn off this computer, I can ask what's important now. In a situation where my kid might be sick or I'm, I have conflicting commitments grabbing me and I'm, I'm resisting and I'm fighting. And then I ask myself, what's important now? And if we can discern that, if we can come, like connect with that answer, I believe this is my own philosophical belief is that yeah, yeah. every moment has an answer. Every moment has a, like the right answer. I like that. Every moment yeah. has an answer. And if we discern and just let go and do that, that's it. That's it. You're, that's all the bandwidth. That's all that's needed. Trust in that intuition. Trust in that discernment. Trust in that pragmatic wisdom that you have to discern what's important now. Again, what's important now might not satisfy the ego. Might not satisfy the entrepreneur who wants to be productive right now, but needs to go deal with his wife and his kids or his girlfriend or his dog or his cat yeah, or something that they don't want to deal with. Might not satisfy that. But if you can start letting go and just giving into the moment, giving into the moment, giving into the moment, life will start flowing. Like you trust that. 
things will work out. I know that's a bit philosophical and oh my God, I can't trust. I know it takes a lot of courage to start living that way. <laughs> but in my life, it's been evidence that hell, it works. And if it doesn't, well, yeah. I'm going to die implementing it. But every moment has, what's important now is a great question to ask in, in moment by moment. And usually it's what's important now. Oh, let me check my task list. Let me see my priorities. Oh, I got I to gotta call this client. But my kid is has a fever. My wife wants to take him to the doctor. Yeah. So, so I'm conflicted because I don't want to let go of this project. Well, if you can let go, accept, and just give in, see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> and then why how, do you laugh? Like, why do you laugh at that? No, it's just. What, what I mean, it's laugh? so easy. Really, I mean, really, is it's it? easy to do. Yeah, it should be easy. Just you know. You make that decision, you let it go. But then yeah. it's just you dwell on it and just we think so far ahead and we think, okay, this, if that happens, then this and this and this is going to happen. You have the projection, the anxiety. So, I mean, there's a lot loaded with it. But at the end of the day, if you take the step back, okay, the world isn't going to end if I don't call my client. The that, that, rela sick. that relationship might end. But you got to trust. I, I guess that. that also would depend on the client. But then. Yeah. Yeah. If you're able to maintain these, uh, this presence, the relationship will be there. The trust will be there. Yeah. Even if, you know, shit is hitting the fan with that client. If in this situation, if you're able to bring it to the client and communicate that, hey, I need to go to the hospital, this and this, this person is going to help take care of it. We're on it. And then to avoid anything in the future, this is happening. Yeah. Then it's like. Yeah, yesterday I had a situation. And it was, I had a client that wants to pause our ongoing, hey, you know, we've been working for many months. And he's like, look, I want to take a pause. I'm like, okay, for the first quarter. Um, he asked me, will I be charged this month? And since today is the 23rd, I was like, is today? No, today's the 20th. The 20th. Sorry. And he gets charged on the 23rd. I'm like, well, we're already at, like almost there. So I, you will be charged. He's like, okay, no problem. That's our last charge. We have one more conversation and then we'll pause and then we'll talk again second quarter of the year. And once we were off the call and you know, I was looking at the projections and finances and suddenly I realized, wait a minute, I charge my people up front. I charge my clients at the beginning of the month. So he's actually at the end of the month about to get billed for the next month. Yeah, yeah. So I actually shouldn't be charging or I don't need to charge. You already paid for this month. Yeah. So, and I was like, but he already said that I could charge him. Should I just charge him? Keep the money? I look at my numbers. I'm like, but if I don't charge him, you know, I'm going to have this much less and we're almost done. And I mean, if I don't charge him, he's, and then I was like, dude, trust the right thing. So, you know, I was grasped, I was grabbed. And then I Okay, dude, just yeah. trust that whatever happens. So I wrote to him and I told him, look, you've, we're already at the end of the month. There's no need to do this. There's no need to be charged. So he's like, you know what? I expect from my clients at least a 30-day uh, 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 notice yeah. of cancellation. It's already in my budget. 
So let's use those sessions. I think he has a coworker or a family member that might benefit from a, a few sessions with me. And I was like, to me, that was just a sign of you did the right thing. Like you won the integrity piece. And, and a possible new client. <laughs> well, possible new client, but you also, you know, he, he he's going to pay you. You didn't lose anything. And, and you also were we're honest, you know, I forget what was the word he used. He's like, I, your candor, I, I appreciate your candor, but you know, I would expect 30 day notice. And so it's already my budget. So charge me. I was like, wow. And you know, that whole debate in my head going back and forth and then just letting go. And yeah, what's really important. What's truly important in the long run and making the right choice. And then getting that response was kind of like, you did the right thing. Like here's your doggy treat. From the universe, <laughs> Do your, do your doggy tree from the universe. You did good, good boy, good boy. Do it again. Mm. Yeah. No, that's perfect. I love that. And that's yeah. kind of the perfect way to kind of wrap up, I think, where you're presented yeah. with a situation. It's not life and death. It can be a small, no, I shouldn't say a small, but something where it's like, it's it's not going to put you in the red necessarily. Yeah. You're not going to earn as much, but you're able to be present, presence, think through it, take a step back, make a call yeah. and it worked out. And that's what it is. St stepping yeah. a step back. And when I say, when you say it's taking a step Hit back, the pause I, button. I, I would say you're not taking a step back, like away. You're taking yeah. a step yeah. back. You're coming back. You're coming back to where you need to be anyway. You're coming back home. Presence is a coming back home. It's like you're, you're taking a step back home and then because we were jumping the gun we were we were away we were out yeah, yeah. there we were getting caught up it's, so you're not taking a step back to see the situation yeah. you're actually taking your step you're, you're coming back yeah you're coming back and now see the situation and if you're present and in a state of presence you'll be able to respond to that situation more effectively that's it huge return on investment i'm convinced well, I feel like I just got a huge return on my investment for having you as a guest. I feel like I just got a free, free Beautiful. session today. Oh, thanks. But um, I enjoyed if this. anyone wanted to like reach out to you, how do they? Well, um, if they know you, they, if they know you, they can ask you, hey, where, where yeah. could I contact Jose? Uh, so on Facebook, uh, my last name and then my first name, Bolanos Jose. On Instagram, I have an Instagram called The Noble Warrior's Path. A noble warrior is somebody committed to something greater than themselves and is willing to do the self-work necessary to fulfill on it. And presence is a big part of being able to do that. Uh, noble Warrior's Path, or my name again, Jose Wolanos. Um, I have a boutique. You know, I coach. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's my main service. That's my, that's my main offer to the world is one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a small practice. I, I have some spots left. Uh, I always have a few spots available. Um, but I don't work with a huge amount of people um, and they can reach out to me there directly. Um, and there's no funnel or anything they have to go through, just directly to me in my messenger. I want to talk about the coaching, et cetera. Um, yeah. And this is the first time that I'm actually speaking about presence-based approach to entrepreneurship in this way. Like I'm coming yeah. back to it also. So I appreciate that. I'm usually talking about VUCA and, and 
and all those other stuff. But uh, to 2023, I actually want to commit more to this path of presence-based approach to entrepreneurship. No, I really appreciate it too, because I mean, I've worked, done some work with you and learning about VUCA and all that. So this was somewhat new territory for me. Yeah. That's why I feel like I got a, a session out of it. And it was really great. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate your time, Jose. I really enjoyed this yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you for the invite. Let me know when you're going to publish it so I can promote it also. And uh, yeah, thank you. Of course. Thank you.